Welcome, or welcome back to Pre-Arp Excellente Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcomed, whether on Twitter, Tim815, on the Anchor Contest line, or on my Facebook, Pre-Arp Excellence Group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode on the Cubs window closing and ask me questions if I was confusing. One of the amusing things about tracking the Cubs for the last eh, decade or so, more specifically, eight years, is watching people learn or not learn lessons from the Cubs going from really bad to really good and starting to come back down the hill a bit. Not all things in baseball are directly linear. There is not a public press announcement, press release, saying a certain player is going to start getting better now. The articles come after it's already happened, not before it starts to happen. You don't have a press release saying, this player is at his peak. You should trade him now. You only grasp the peak later. Rebuilds. Rebuilds are an interesting topic. People seem to think that because the Cubs had a few bad years, followed by really good seasons, well, it's all right if everything falls apart again, because they'll just, you know, I'm waving my fingers like a wizard, and then all of a sudden, rebuild. If you didn't learn the lessons the first time, then why should you be relied upon to grasp how it's going to work the second time? If you don't know where the Cubs were in 2011, in 2012, and you don't know where the Cubs are going to be in, say, 14 months, Why is your opinion to be heated, frankly? I was learning back when, making plenty of mistakes, still make plenty of mistakes, but I was grasping back in 2012, 2013, this Cubs team isn't going anywhere. I said it. I said, and boy, you have no idea how pissed off people, you have no idea how people, how pissed off people got. When I said Cubs games in 2012, 2013, and 2014 will not be as important as Cubs games in 2015, 2016, and 2017. Wow. People were outraged, outraged. And those were the years I used. 
I'm not. I'm not looking back and cherry picking. I said, Cubs games in twenty. This was in 2012. Cubs games in 2012, 2013, and 2014 will not be as important as Cubs games in 2015, 2016, and 2017. I flat out said. People didn't like hearing it because they wanted every year to be of utmost importance. It doesn't necessarily work that way. If a team has the talent and they stay relatively healthy, they can compete. It's really not all that hard. The question is, do they have the talent? If they have the talent and they stay relatively healthy, they ought to be able to compete in a season. Now, with Rob Manfred talking about wanting to extend the postseason to 16 teams, 8 in each division, my guess is he's going to want to have two teams from each division making the playoffs. You walk into 2021, uh, 2021, you walk into 2022, you walk into 2023. What you like has no bearing on anything. What I like has no bearing on anything. If Rob Manfred declares, and the owners okay it, and the players okay it, the top two teams in each division will make the playoffs. If that's going to be how it's going to be, that should be everyone's mindset. Just like if the designated hitter is going to be a thing henceforth and forevermore, whether you're a fan of the DH or not, if you're trying to do a deeper dive as far as figuring out what is best for your team, you might as well have the mindset of, well... I guess we might as well find a DH. Has nothing to do with this is what I like. Has nothing to do with this is what's good for baseball. Has nothing to do with any of that. If there's going to be a DH, your team might want to find a DH. If there's going to be two teams from each division in the postseason, as you walk in, you want to be top two. Now, would you like to be top one? Of course. But most of all, you want to be top two. Probably the way it's going to be set up will be if you're top two, if you're, if you're top one, if you win your division or you're the top second place team, you'll probably have home field advantage first round. That's probably how it'll work. And everything else will be under argument ad nauseum forever or at least until there is expansion, which again, whether you like it or not, there will probably be expansion. So what's all this got to do with the window? People loved to talk about the Cubs window. The Cubs will be competitive as long as Chris Bryant trademark. Javier Baez registered. Wilson Contreras trademark. Kyle Schwarber, registered, you know, those specific players, as long as those specific players are around, the Cubs will be fine. Now, why was that the mindset? Why was that the way people looked at things? 
because that's all they know. The Quite a few Cubs fans, when they look at things, the Cubs, when they have Chris Bryant and Javier Baez, etc., etc., and Anthony Rizzo and Kyle Hendricks, they're good. But once those players leave, the window's closed. Why? Why? Well, because they can't replace them. That's a way of looking at it. But is it accurate? Again, in 2021, in 2022, in 2023, presumably the top two teams from the National League Central will make the postseason. Which two teams that you see in 2021 in the National League Central are head, neck, and shoulders above the 2021 Cubs? Probably most people will say, well, nobody, because the Cubs haven't lost Bryant or Baez or Rizzo or Hendricks or etc. Okay, fair. What team do you see better than the Cubs? Head, neck, and shoulders. Because that's what it was back in 2012. It wasn't a case of, well, if the Cubs manipulate this and gyrate this, that other thing, and man, it, that, then maybe they'll be... The Cubs were the fourth best team in the league, in the division. The Cubs were the fourth best team in the division. There was no putting the Cubs past St. Louis, Milwaukee, or Cincinnati over a 160-game season. Not a chance. It just wasn't there. They didn't have the horses. They knew it. The front office realized it. And what pieces they had, what pieces they had that they could trade, they angled to get rid of. That's when you rebuild. You rebuild when you have pieces, but those pieces aren't good enough to get you to first or second place, which is a playoff spot. I really do appreciate you guys listening to the podcast, checking in on my numbers, seeing them register even at 11 o'clock at night, 1130 at night. I know it has been a rather quiet day, what with the Cubs not playing, but you guys still listening. I really do appreciate it. Hit click, hit subscribe, hit share, hit all that kind of stuff that you do on social media. And I really do appreciate it. If there's a person you have in mind who is a big aficionado of the concept of the Cubs competitive window, pass this along to them. They might agree, they might not disagree, but I want people to think. If people think and they think, Tim, you're an idiot. Okay, cool. They're thinking. As long as you're thinking, as long as you're thinking about things and coming up with ideas and bouncing stuff off of people, that's wonderful. That's what I'm here for. Anchor allows sponsorships. If you ever get to the point where you want to sponsor the podcast, look into that as well. Most of all, though, I just appreciate that you guys are still listening. And as I see the numbers roll in, that reminds me of a couple more ideas I should probably get to. Okay, so 2021, the Cubs will still 
probably have Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo, etc. Because I really doubt anybody's going to be making major trades for guys who are going to be making $18 million or so for one season. And then they'd have to decide if they want to re-sign him or not. I really don't see that happening. So 2021, I really don't see a problem. The question becomes, what happens in 2021? And people like to think polar, either all this or all that. They don't really so much necessarily like, necessarily like the nuance thing. For instance, Chris Bryant is either going to stick around with the Cubs on an extension or get traded or presumably leave in free agency. Those are the three options. Got to think them all three out. What's the likelihood that major league owners just coming off of what they will have just come off of are going to be interested in making a huge trade or a huge purchase on Chris Bryant. Remember that in 2022, we're staring down the barrel of a lockdown, a, a lockout or a strike, either or. 2022, this Negotiated settlement could get really sticky, could get really ugly, and it could take a long time for that season to start. That could theoretically happen in 2021 instead. 2021 and 2022, don't lay any serious money on anything because I don't trust it. 2021, 2022, we'll probably have some baseball of some sort. And whatever sort of baseball that is, you might want to enjoy it because I don't know how much there's going to be. So let's say the Cubs run with the normal guys that you're used to. Toss in an Ildemaro Vargas. Toss in a Braylon Marquez. Extra innings for... Edward Elzele, maybe some Corey Abbott, possibly some Brennan Davis at the end of the year. Okay, you have the normal guys, and you're sprucing things up with some new guys that you're not familiar with. So you have the 2021 season. I'm not going to say the Cubs will waltz to first place or second place. I will say, though, that the Cardinals, the Brewers, the Reds, and the Pirates all have some serious concerns of their own. I don't think anyone in the division is going to be running off 118 wins. I really don't think anyone is going to be significantly better than anyone else. And the Cubs will probably have enough depth to be able to cover for a couple of misfortunes. Will other teams be able to do that? The Cardinals are shutting down their alternate training site this weekend. 
Why? They're not being forced to. I haven't heard anything about the Cubs shutting theirs down. Haven't heard anything about the Pirates shutting theirs down. The Reds have just recently added a couple players to theirs, including their top draft pick from June. Uh, June, yes. This time it's June. Next year it's July. Um, so yeah, the, the, the Reds are adding players to their alternate training site. The Cardinals are shutting theirs down. That doesn't sound like a team that is doing all the right things, that is fixing to blow away the rest of the division for the next four or five years. Maybe they will. Maybe the players will develop. Maybe they'll be able to stay ahead of injuries. Maybe not. I really don't see any point in saying the Cubs are going to be way worse than the Cardinals in 2021. 2022 rolls around. Well, what happens if the Cubs lose all the players? I doubt they lose all of them. I think someone will probably get signed. Uh, someone will probably get extended. I don't know how long. I don't know how much. Goodness knows they probably won't get as much as they've earned. And all of them were getting paid peanuts early on. So whatever they, whatever the players get, more power to them. But as far as the window disappearing, it's about players getting developed to replace the players. Do the Cubs have anyone coming along who will possibly be able to help cover for a weakness in any of those spots? I'm not specifying which one. Just any of them. Well, let's see. If Wilson Contreras ends up leaving. They still have Victor Caratini and Miguel Amaya's coming along. So if Wilson Contreras is the person that ends up leaving, I'm not going to say Miguel Amaya will be a major league star. I'm not saying he's going to be exactly as fun as Wilson Contreras or whatever. But Miguel Amaya... Making league minimum would be a perfectly acceptable replacement for Wilson Contreras if he's in the two, two and a half, three, three and a half range of wins above replacement. That would be perfectly acceptable. Now, at some point, the Cubs are going to start to switch a bit from better heavy to pitcher heavy in the pipeline, or else they're screwed. At some point, Braylon Marquez will start doing things, and Corey Abbott will start doing things, and Abra Elzale will become reliable. Heck, maybe even the the uh, DFA wire edition, Alec Mills, maybe he'll be useful for two or three years. Who knows? If the Cubs are developing talent internally, they don't have to rebuild. One of my favorite concepts is... One of the next Cubs extensions ought to be Ian Happ. I don't know if you're an Ian Happ guy or not. You know, you, you might be buying into the, oh, after he got hit in the eye with a foul ball, he's never going to be able to do anything ever again. Or, or maybe you, well, he runs funny, so I don't like him. But the fact of the matter is, he's been pretty good this year. And if you have a guy who's pretty good and 
his cost, he, this is almost worth a special podcast. I think I'll probably do a special podcast on it at some point. But Ian Happ is going to get screwed in arbitration. Because 2020 numbers will not be counted heavily in assessing arbitration numbers. So, for instance, you have a player like Chris Bryant who had a horrible season, or Javier Baez had a horrible season. The players aren't going to get punished for doing poorly in 2020. On the other hand, they're also not going to get rewarded for it. So Ian Happ, who had a breakout season this year, very possibly, when his arbitration numbers come through, his 2020 numbers, you're not really going to matter all that much because it's a short season. So he's basically going to get screwed. He's not going to be earning what he ought to be. With that being the case, that would be a potential time for the Cubs to, how about this? We can either argue or we can come to an agreement, make sure you're getting paid the next three, four years, add on a couple years, and then you're good. I, I don't know what the specifics might be, but I would imagine that a player like Ian Happ would probably have some sort of willingness to accept a contract where he's going to be getting paid the next four or five years. I would think that would probably be something he would appreciate. Then what you all of a sudden have is a player who's getting a team-friendly extension. At least it's team-friendly if he keeps playing well. The window of contention was contrived. The entire concept was it is 100% impossible to replicate finding talent that will be good in the Cubs pipeline that will be also good at the major league level. It is a complete accident that Chris Bryant happened and Kyle Schwarber happened and all that kind of stuff. It is a complete accident. It was a complete accident. It can never be replicated in any way, shape, or fashion. Hogwash. Absolute hogwash. If the Cubs pipeline is developing talent, the Cubs parent club will benefit. Sometimes by trade. Sometimes by players doing really well at the major league level. And it may take longer than some people want, but if the Cubs are getting to a point where players start to realize, you know, this is the kind of roster that I'd kind of like to go to, then they start to get to be the team that John Lester wanted to come play for. Or the team that Jason Hayward wanted to come play for. I'm not saying I want the Cubs to follow exactly the same path of spending heavily on free agents and thereby hampering the ability in future years to do the same. But the window's a contrive, contrivance. The window only exists if the team doesn't develop talent. Nobody ever talks about, when's the Dodgers' window of contention going to go away? Nobody talks about it because 
the Dodgers develop their own talent. And they also have scads of money, so if they want to go out and ex- sign an extension for Mookie Betts, they bloody well do it. And then switch them to second base. If you're developing your own talent, there's not a worry. Looking across the National League Central, everyone has problems. Nobody is loaded for bear and is looking like soon they will be having a 108, 107, 114 year run, a win run. You know, there it's not going to be somebody is going to be that much better than everyone. The Brewers pipeline is ranked bottom three. The Cardinals is probably a little bit higher than the Cubs. Part of that was on Dylan Carlson. Part of that is on... Oh, blast. Who's that third baseman that they have that's going to crush? But the teams in the division, they're not elite. The Cubs were elite in 2016. Part of that was because there were a couple of other teams in the division that weren't very elite. The Cubs' window was made up. The Cubs will be fine as long as they are among the top two or three teams in the division pretty much every year. If they're top two or three, and they generally make wise financial decisions, they're fine. They're absolutely fine. As much talk as there's been about the horrible contracts the Cubs have given out, as much talk as there's been, right now, they're really okay financially. Craig Kimbrell's going to be a mild concern next year. Jason Hayward will still have three seasons left. If he plays like he did this year, there's really not a whole lot of complaints. You Darvish, three more years, I don't hear a whole lot of complaints. Kyle Hendricks, what, what's he got, three, four more years? Again, I don't hear a whole lot of complaints. David Bodie, his contract, not a killer. Not a killer. And who's the other long-term deal? There's one more. But the the long-term deals are not a huge problem now. The Cubs don't have serious financial concerns. Except for the ones that the owners are, I'll say fabricating, that may be the wrong word. The Cubs' competitive window is not hampered by where somebody put frames on the wall. If the Cubs are better than the Brewers, if the Cubs are better than the Pirates, if the Cubs are better than the Reds, if the Cubs are better than the Cardinals, they're fine. In only one year were the Cubs better than the Astros. In only one year were the Cubs better than the Dodgers. That year they won the World Series. In all the other years, the Dodgers were better than the Cubs. In all the other years, the Astros were better than the Cubs. The Cubs 
should not have won three world championships. Just that, that makes absolutely no sense. Absolutely none. In their best season, going down to the wire, they, were, they had a 25% chance of winning the World Series. One in four years. To hear people talk about it, they were an 87% favorite that year. They were a 72% favorite the next year. And they were at least 94 the year after. Hogwash! Baseball is tough to repeat in. It's tough to win the first time in. The Cubs don't have any window concerns. The question is, when the next player comes up on the designated for assignment wire, should the Cubs claim him? If they claim him, who should they designate to make room for him? When it gets to November, should the Cubs retain Rowan Wick for next year? How about Jason Adam? If they make the right decisions, there's not really a problem if they're properly developing talent. If the Cubs are properly developing talent and making good decisions, they're fine. All they have to do is win the games they're supposed to against the teams that they're supposed to beat and hang in there against the other squads. Eight National League teams will make the playoffs in 2020. Eight will make it in 2021. Eight will make it in 2022. Eight will make it in 2023. If the Cubs are competitive, they should make the playoffs pretty much every year. That's going to be a whole lot of playoff seasons for Nico Horner. People who are talking about the Cubs having a competitive window don't understand player development. They just don't. If they understood what was required to develop talent, if they understood how it was developed, they would realize that you're not jumping blindly out onto a cloud when a player is being called up from the, low, from the upper ranks of the minors. When a player is being called up from double A or preferably triple A, they have a history. You should have a fairly good, you should have a fairly good idea of how they're going to do because you are doing deeper dives in baseball. You should grasp the best way to project how a player is going to do at the major league level initially is how he did in AAA. From there, it boils to how well he develops. Some players start better. Some players develop better. You find that out. It's not a, I want him to do this, so he's going to do that. It's not how it works. The Cubs are fine. They're not elite. They're fine. If Brennan Davis develops into a 
quality above average right fielder, then at some point the Cubs will probably be able to trade Jason Hayward and get something quality in return. If that's the way they'd choose to go. The Cubs would be best served making wise, short-term decisions if they draft the right players, develop players properly, make trades that will pay off in the long term. I'm extending my neck on that instead of trades that are um, for short-term only. They'll be fine. If it ends up a situation where nobody is willing to give quality long-term returns for, I'm going to give you a list now, Wilson Contreras, Chris Bryant, Kyle Schwarber, Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo, if nobody is willing to say, okay, we want this guy for this year, and we are willing to give you this on top of that to get him for this year. Let him walk. Let him walk. Get a second-round draft pick. Draft picks are how you win. Draft picks are how you win. Brennan Davis, second-round draft pick. Cole Roderer, second-round draft pick. Paul Richin, second-round draft pick. Traded. Brought back Nick Castellanos. Draft and develop, draft and develop, draft and develop, draft and develop. You don't have to follow that. But if the team follows draft and develop, sign internationally and develop, draft and develop, draft and develop, the team will be fine. Pittsburgh hasn't shown me they can do it. The Reds haven't shown me they can do it. The Reds made an aggressive move, a couple of aggressive moves this year to chase the second wild card spot. Maybe they'll get it. Congratulations if they do. I don't really mind so much who gets it between Milwaukee, Cincinnati, and St. Louis. But um, somebody's going to get it. And honestly, in 2021... Somebody's going to get second place then. 2022? Somebody's going to get it then, too. 2023? Somebody's going to get that year, too. And all of them are going to go to the playoffs. You don't have to be first place in the division anymore. You just don't. Rob Manfred's decided that, and the owners will vote for it. And the players won't throw up much of a stink, either. More teams in the playoffs. The owners will be happy and the players will be happy. Whether you're happy or not, whether the games will be being played into November, eh, we'll find out. But the Cubs window, don't worry about it. The Cubs window is not a problem. If the Cubs are lousy at developing talent, that's a problem. Thanks for stopping by Pre-Arb Excellence. I'll have uh, another podcast up soon, The Circumstances Warrant. I'll attempt to have that one worth your time as well. Be safe. Go Cubs go. And be nice to people.